Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Michaela, your host for my new podcast, Landed in LA. Thank you all for joining me. This is really exciting. Um, it's been a long time in the works, and I'm glad to be here to be able to talk with some entertainment industry professionals about their experiences in the industry. Let me introduce myself. My name is Michaela. I'm an entertainment lawyer. I work in LA. But this podcast is really about conversations with millennials that are working in the entertainment industry, whether they are talent, whether they are reps, agents, managers, lawyers, whether they are production folks, whether you're an assistant. I'm really interested in talking with all kinds of people that are working in the entertainment industry, um, whether you're in LA, whether you're in New York, wherever abroad, um, but interested in hearing the stories and experiences of others. And that's why we're here today, to talk about the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, how you got there, um, and where you are now and where you're headed, I think is really important, particularly now in this time of COVID-19 and of remote work and of being away from friends, family, and loved ones. It's really important now more than ever for us to talk to each other and communicate. So that's what this podcast is about. Landed in LA. We're here. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay. Um, And there's also going to be a focus on millennials. I am a millennial. I have a lot of friends that are millennials. And needless to say, with everything that is said about us, we are in many ways a huge part of the entertainment industry today, from TikTok to basic social media, which is our, um, our space, our general platform, to all the ways that we are entering the industry. So I am really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun if you are interested in being on the show. Hit us up at landedinlapod at gmail.com. That's landedinlapod at gmail.com. Say hello to me. My name is Michaela, and I will be here. I know I have a lot of funny stories and random anecdotes about my experiences working in the entertainment industry, so I am really excited to hear about other people's. And I think it's important to know that not everything comes easily which is obvious, but it's easier to understand when you hear other people's perspectives. So if you're interested in the industry, if you are already in the industry and you want to just hear what other people are saying, tune in. I'm going to be interviewing some folks on each episode. Um, Well, one folk, one person per episode (laughs) and talking with them about their experience. So um, from my desk to yours, Happy holidays. We're getting to the end of 2020. I'm glad that that we are here and that we made it. Um, that's, that's a blessing, honestly, because this year was crazy. But I'm excited to talk with a lot of different people. And I hope that you, the listeners, get something out of it. Because I know that I always get something out of when I have a conversation with other people. And that's what this is all about. On top of the concept landed in LA, literally and figuratively, how did you land in LA? And if you are looking to get to LA, let me know how you want to land in LA. Um, It's a great conversation. So 
Before we get into it, quick legal disclaimer. The information on this podcast is not legal advice. I repeat, the information on this podcast is not legal advice. Making that clear. And let's get going with our first segment, the theme of the week. Theme of the week. Yay. So this week is all about balance. Balance is a huge part of everyone's lives, and I think it's really personified in my interview today with our guest, who you'll hear from in just a few moments. But balance, the reason I chose this word and this theme is because we're getting to the end of the year. Everyone's thinking about their New Year's resolutions and how they can change, how they can be different, how they can keep those traits that are positive and stay the same. But I think with 2020 and everything that has happened this year, it's really important to find some sort of balance. A lot of people are working from home. A lot of people are spending more time with their family or those that they live with. A lot of people are getting a little more of what we call that good old work-life balance. Isn't that a great phrase, work-life balance? How many people actually experience that? I feel like this year, a lot of people experienced some sort of work-life balance in a different way for the positive. I think everyone being at home, people were able to connect with their loved ones more and to connect with themselves more, which is what life is kind of about, connecting with yourself and others. So shout out to Balance. Really happy about it. It's something that I work on myself and I think everybody works on it. And you got to keep balance to stay balanced, right? You got to stay balanced within yourself to be good to others and to be, you know, helpful or loving in any way to other people. So balance is everything. Yes, balance. Okay, we're moving on. Moving on from our theme of the week to my song of the week slash song of the episode. This song is one of my favorite songs, and it's technically a song of 2020, you guys. It is Blue World by Mac Miller. I love the song. I love the beat. I love the production on it. I love that it's really different from a lot of Mac Miller's other work. I don't know if there are a lot of Mac Miller people listening to this podcast, but if you are, shout out to you guys because Mac Miller was dope rest in peace to him. I love Blue World. Circles is a really interesting album. And the thing I like about Mac is his music is was not predictable. It was always kind of different. The beats were always kind of different. The production was always kind of different. So but Blue World is a really is a really cool song. And I think it, it embodies 2020 for a lot of people. So if anyone wants to check it out, let me know what you think. And that is not a sponsored statement, by the way, just letting y'all know. <laughs> I actually really do like the song. So if anyone listens to it, let me know. And we are moving on to the main segment, my conversation with our guest of the week. So it's time for our segment of the week where I'll speak with a guest. I want to welcome him. He's an actor, a creator, an all-around dope personality and good friend, and a fellow USC Trojan, 
none other than Bobby Nahill. Welcome, Bobby. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's wow, that was a great intro. It sounds, I sound way more legit than I really am. <laughs> I'm going to give myself so a pat on the back for that intro, too. I'm like, hey, I'm so happy to have him here. How are you? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Thank you so much. I uh, am, you know, very happy to, this is my first podcast interview, so, wow. <laughs> I, you know, the, con the confidence has definitely risen today, which is a nice, a nice feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think like it's great to speak with you and so many different people. And there are so many people doing things in the entertainment industry and we don't always hear from them. And it's like sometimes they're right in front of you and it's good to speak with with you and, and people like you. Um, and so you're in Boston right now. Yes. So. Okay. Yeah. I've never been I've never been to Boston and I think the furthest north up I've been is Connecticut. Okay, that's not that's I wanna, not bad. I want to get out there um, for sure at some point. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend the winter at any time. <laughs> but summer's great, the fall is great. So any those two seasons I would say are the best time to visit. Um and I live specifically in Cohasset which is uh, suburb maybe like 45 minutes south of the city okay and it's just a really nice coastal town totally different than los angeles it's like eight thousand people really quintessential new england beach community so right now it's amazing in the summer because you know you have the great ocean and really awesome new england atmosphere you got your lobster chowder for sure. <laughs> um, lobster chowder. Or clam, 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 clam chowder. Yeah, but um, you know, of course, the winter time is a different is a different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. And of course, like in Maryland, it's not it's not quite as bad in Maryland where I'm from, but it still gets pretty cold. Um, right. But I definitely know what you mean about you know the cold in the winter and the good old snow. Yes, that, that and comes up. <laughs> yeah, and when people in Los Angeles, you know, are like, oh, my God, it's so cold. You're like, it's maybe 50 degrees out. Relax. <laughs> right. You don't need a turtleneck. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It's like East Coasters know the, the true cold. And when you mm -hmm. hear people in L.A. talk about it's cold, you're like, eh, it's not that cold. You put on a yeah. jacket here, you'll be good. <laughs> I usually would uh, acquaint myself to saying it's cool out instead of cold. That's a yeah. big distinction. <laughs> yes. I can appreciate that distinction. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on this show. I want to talk to you about your path, your career. First off, can you tell us what it is that you do? Of course. I'm an actor. That's how I define my career, particularly focusing on film and television. But, you know, an actor is an actor. And if that means it's a stage performance, if it's voiceover, you know, of course, film and TV, that's very much an encompassing part of what it means to be an actor. But so I actually want to make that point of what you said earlier about there are so many people that you don't realize who are in the, in the entertainment industry. And it's so true. I mean, it's the entertainment industry. I feel like when you're not in it, seems like this big mirage of like, ooh, what mm -hmm. is that? And once you're really in it, you see how many facets there are in the entertainment industry. And I think the beauty of it is how much you can actually do. 
if you want to be a producer, a writer, a director, an actor, if you want to, you know, work for a production company or a TV right. show. I mean, you can do general marketing and entertainment or you can do law, like what you're doing, entertainment law. I mean, that is technically part of the entertainment industry. And so, you know, of course, being from Massachusetts, I didn't get access to that growing up. And that's when I really saw Los Angeles as a great opportunity. So a little bit about my background. I am a triplet. So there are two <laughs> other brothers <laughs> in my family. And, you know, growing up, my parents were really big on trying to let us have space to really find ourselves and find our own identities. And so I really tried to explore all of my options in my environment. And I really, in middle school, found the performing arts my thing. It really gave me this inherent confidence internally. It gave me this realization of, wow, I love to connect with people and engage with an audience in a way that I feel like sometimes you can't do on a regular day-to-day -day basis. Of course, a live audience was so fun. And really just being different characters, I was so drawn to. Because I think growing up in more of a homogenous, regular day-to-day -day New England community when it comes to personal expression or ideals outside of the environment that you really know of, it's a really cool experience of saying, oh, wow, people could live their lives this way or that way, or there's all these different personality yeah. types. Yeah. And I think being an actor is such a beautiful way to explore that, just the psyche and behaviors of other people. And then... It was high school where I really flourished within the performing arts. My school didn't really have a large art budget, so we would do, you know, a one-act play every year, a musical every other year. There was this running joke that, like, the only props we had were a single black box and a fake ficus tree <laughs> that was literally in every show imaginable, like, no matter what the time period was or whatever. That one black box. <laughs> And you're like, wow, this is, tr I mean, if, if you don't have a black box, you, this is not high school theater. You didn't experience it. And you just have to imagine like, oh, this is a throne or this is a rock or right. a bed, like yeah. whatever it was. And then I would say junior year was really when I started to seriously figure out, okay, what, what is it that I really want to pursue in college? And I was the person who never really wanted to just take classes for the sake of my resume. Like I didn't do a ton of APs. I was more interested in, you know, creative writing or literature in the media or conspiracy theories. And so it really, yet again, allowed me just to kind of see, oh, wow, there's so much out there for me to try to figure out what I want to do and how I want to do it. And my parents, you know, with three boys were really like, okay, guys, if you want to go to college, really figure out what you want to do because there's three of you and you're going to ultimately <laughs> Keeping have it to... practical. Yeah. Right. It's so, right. That's so true. Though. That's very exactly. real. I'm so grateful that they really encouraged us to figure out early on what our interests were. And even if they changed in college, it was at least great to realize it earlier on throughout my high school career. Um, but 
it was my senior year as well where we just started a new television studio. And I thought, you know, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. I was able to do television hosting for the studio. So whether it was covering like the local art festival or a local business in my town, I really enjoyed that. And I think it just yet again allowed me to demonstrate just my general curiosity of other people and promoting what other people do. And then with college, I really focused on applying as a Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting to a lot of my schools. My parents, yet again, were like, okay, each of you guys can only apply to eight schools. And <laughs> whichever one gives you the most money, that's what you're going to. You know, there was a gray area with that because USC didn't give me the most money by any means. <laughs> but, um, but it's hard. Know, it's really... hard to turn down USC, though. Oh, seriously, it, it really is. USC, is. you know, was my top school, <laughs> and I, you know, really struggled when it came to like the SATs. I was such, I, I was such an outlier on the scale of what they were looking for. But I just figured, you know, I'm going to use everything else in my power to try to get in. And USC was the one school that I applied to as a double major for broadcast journalism and acting, whereas the other schools I applied to, it was just for acting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so upon admission, I was primarily in Annenberg School for Journalism, particularly focusing on broadcast journalism. And the journalism degree was incredibly challenging, but so rewarding. I think there's this idea of, oh, you know, journalism, like maybe you're just, you're not, you know, maybe you're writing an article here, doing this interview there, but it was really intense. It, you know, every week we would have to go out into the field of Los Angeles and oh, yes. interview people on top of our regular classes. You know, it was so, so, so intense that I did as much acting as I could on the side. So whether it was joining an improv troupe, I was on a dance team because I wasn't able to do that growing up. And that was an opportunity that was like, oh my God, I want to be on this hip hop team. This is so cool. And also just doing as many student films as I could because obviously it's the number one film school in the world. So gotta take right, exactly. That. Yeah, top but of I the line. Right, and <laughs> and you know I just knew with USC that regardless of the finances that I was gonna have to figure out, I knew it was the best long term investment for me. And if I had gone to another school, I would have said, okay, yeah, this is great, but what would have been like have, had I gone to USC? And I think that was the right. ultimate reason yeah. why I chose to go there. And I also looked at academics as something, yes, of importance, but also at the end of the day, it's about your experiences. So who are the type of people that you're going to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis? What do your professors do outside of teaching? Internship-wise, where can you even get a job? And I also figured, you know, if I ultimately want to stay in Los Angeles, I can get used to the city the four years that I'm at college and have a much easier transition into the general L.A. entertainment atmosphere. Right, right. So I guess that's kind of everything <laughs> to answer your question in a long, in a long way. 
um, that's ultimately what made me or encouraged me to go out to Los Angeles. Yeah, and I, I think it's such a good story to hear. And one, I will say, I remember when we met, um, learning that you were a triplet and that always stuck with me. I think it's oh, awesome yeah. and very cool. <laughs> it's definitely an icebreaker for sure. <laughs> yeah, but back to your point, I mean, just what you were saying with your family, learning so early on to kind of think about what it is that truly interests you and being able to build confidence from learning whatever that thing is and discovering that through performing arts. I have heard a lot of people um, mirror what you're saying about using performing arts and creative arts and acting as a way to learn about other people and other ways of thinking and kind of that um, diversity of thought that I think we're always kind of having in the back of our head, like, hey, what are other ways of thinking or other things that other people are thinking about. Right. Um, and so it's interesting to hear you say that. And like you said, with coming to LA and saying, okay, you know, USC is obviously amazing. I mean, we're both Annenberg alum. <laughs> alums. Hey, fight on. <laughs> Woo, fight on. And, and like you said, there's a lot that goes into journalism and putting different news packages together people don't always get the credit for both the writing and producing that happens on the, um, the front end of things. And also when you get on camera and, and have to speak coherently and say things that people understand and that are also accurate, it's a lot harder than it looks. So I commend you for doing that and also pursuing acting. Thank and you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool journey. Well, what I was going to say as well with broadcast, you know, I ultimately knew the importance of it and the importance of storytelling. And I, as much as I enjoyed that, I ultimately knew, okay, this isn't the type of storytelling that I ultimately want to do for the rest of my life. And that was, I feel like, through acting. But what journalism really taught me, mainly ambition, not being afraid to approach people, ask strangers, you know, to speak with you, getting stuck in tricky situations, learning how to, yeah, like you said, be a one man band. I mean, I had to go out anywhere that I was assigned, put up a tripod, set up a camera <laughs> in 90 degree weather with oh, a yeah. button down and a tie, get a microphone and just do it and then learn how to produce and edit all of that. So it really teaches you as well to be fearless because it I, does. I am not someone who enjoys just like going out into the public and being like, look at me. And so, yeah. And so um, that just really teaches you so much for sure. Yeah. I definitely think there's some grit involved with it. And, and there really is a bundle of skills that you learn when you're doing that, the writing, editing, producing on camera work, stalking mm -hmm. people to get them to talk to you <laughs> oh yeah and 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 lastly it's not like you know some of your classes where you can maybe fluff a paper a little bit you know you can right. you can jump you know you cut have a couple to have corners. something legit you have to have something legit it's like it's a pass or fail you can't skimp out on a, a journalism package like if you don't get an interview what are you going to do to right. fill that time you, right. what you can't do anything so yet again it really teaches you just like owning up to a task yeah for sure no we're we're on the same page with that 
Yeah. So you came to LA for USC. We're speaking about landed in LA and, and talking with folks about how they literally and kind of figuratively landed in LA. When you first got to LA, what was the first thing that you did? Where did you go? Did you go straight to USC? So I'm trying to remember what that experience <laughs> Straight from is LAX. like. Yeah, so I had never been to LA before, but prior to USC. And I actually had one of my brothers attend USC, not by choice, totally by circumstance. And I remember, I think the first thing we did actually was we had a friend from USC who was going there at the time take us to Korean barbecue. And I'll never forget how just transformative that experience was because coming from straight suburbia, you know, (laughs) just like no diversity, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Straight suburbia, like town of 8,000 people. I think that was genuinely the first time I realized, wow, there are signs that aren't in English. And I just thought how cool that was to for me, I don't know. It, it felt so immersive of an experience. And then, you know, the friend that we were with, he is Korean. And so listening to him speak with the server who is Korean, ordering, you know, Korean barbecue, seeing what the Korean culture was like from a food perspective, I just distinctively remember that experience. And I absolutely loved it. And then, you know, of course, going into USC, which is one of the most diverse campuses in the country. It it was just, wow. I mean, you really got to meet all different walks of life and meeting different people who were there for a reason and seeing what brought them there was just so fascinating to me. But to answer your question, that was, I feel like the biggest distincting moment. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so interesting. And I actually remember the first time I went to go get Korean barbecue too. And it's so good. And oh my gosh, it's <laughs> so good. Sorry if you're vegan and you're listening to this. I apologize. Or you're vegetarian, but I know. wow, it was such a game changer. It's, <laughs> it's like... such a game changer. And I, I too had not had that on the East Coast in Maryland. And you get out here and it's so diverse. There's so many different communities and cultures. And you're like, wow, I can't believe I was, was missing this for all of this time. Oh my gosh, seriously. Like yeah. my town, we don't have we don't have fast food. We don't have much. So, you know, thankfully my parents are, you know, well adversed in the Italian and Lebanese culture. When it comes to food, they just know how to make amazing dishes. But otherwise, that's all I really was exposed to. So yeah, Korean barbecue. Wow. (laughs) Didn't feel great after eating. (laughs) I just... I, you know, had to maybe take a nap for like five hours to sleep off the food coma. But right. It yeah. was amazing. No, I love it. I, I always like to talk with people about the first place they went when they came to L.A. Because it's like, you know, you're coming from a totally different place. A lot of us come to L.A. looking to pursue something. And you land at LAX and it's like, boom, you're here. Now what? Yeah. And, you know, if you're not coming for school, then it truly is like, okay, now what? Where am I going to go? Get an apartment, whatever. So it's always just interesting to hear what people do. Because like I have said, I I went to In-N-Out because everybody talked about In-N-Out. I love In-N-Out. So good. So good. Um, Yeah, but it's it's really cool to hear. 
So with acting, how did you get into acting? I mean, you kind of, you talked about USC and then post USC, what were your moves pursuing the entertainment or navigating the entertainment industry, I should say? Absolutely. That's a great question. So while I was in college, I realized, wow, there are so many facets of the entertainment industry. And I obviously had the full intention of acting, but I also wanted to figure out if there was an alternative, what that potentially was. So my first internship that I'd had was at a really small commercial talent agency. And that was a really great experience learning how, oh, this is how agents work with actors. This is what it takes to be a great client. This is where a client messes up, right. <laughs> reading through paperwork. <laughs> and that really introduced me to the representation side. Definitely realized, oh my gosh, I don't want to be in the agency world whatsoever, <laughs> but I really admire you for your hard work and your efforts. And it makes me as an actor feel way more appreciative. The next internship that I had was at a really well-known talk show, a daytime talk show. And that was the Ellen DeGeneres show. Nice. I was, um, in regards to that internship, what I really loved about it was it was a rotational job. So basically there were five departments. It was production, digital, human resources, talent, and research. And every couple weeks you would rotate. And yet again, just seeing what it, takes to make a daytime talk show work was just so fascinating to me. And then yet again, I realized I don't want to do any of this, but I <laughs> admire these people. And it was funny, you know, when I would be there and they'd ask me, what do you want to do? And I'd say, well, I'm actually pursuing acting and on-camera work. It was always like, oh, wow, that's so awesome. And I found that the more you speak your truth of what you really, truly want, the more people listen to that mm -hmm. and eventually yes. down the road yeah. help you with that, yeah. which I felt like happened numerous times throughout my internship experience. And then lastly, I interned at the Groundlings Improv Troupe because I then really decided, you know, acting is what I want to do. Journalism isn't really for me. And what I loved about that job was, yes, I was working at the box office, so handling tickets, really glorious <laughs> task, <laughs> but I got to take an uh, improv class for free, and I got to go to all the shows for free. And that was my very first class outside of college that I was immersing myself in. And it was just like such a great transformative experience and learning about this is what you know, one of the best improv companies in the, in the country is like, and just seeing it again, some of the best of the best. And I really feel like going through the internship experience allowed me to see, okay, this is not what I want to do. Right. Right. <laughs> I think, yeah, you know, so a lot important. of, yeah. Cause I think a lot of people go into an internship thinking, oh my God, this is going to be it. This is my forever job. It's my, you know, dream career. And then generally feel discouraged when they go through it and realize, oh, actually, maybe this isn't what I want to do. But there is so much beauty and opportunity in realizing what you don't want 
just as much as there is what you ultimately want for yourself and want to pursue. Right. And I felt like as well, internships really helped me figure out the entertainment industry and realizing from my perspective as an actor, how I can be my own business in the best ways possible and how I can make connections outside of my fellow actors. And so yet again, I, I really believe that knowledge is power. And the more that you know about the industry that you're in, learning how to be savvy in all shapes and forms, I think is really important in addition to your own craft and your own self. Yeah. And I, I really like what you said about when you're talking with folks about when and they say, what do you want to do? It's, it is important to express what you actually do want to do because people don't just hand that out to you. And Absolutely. once you are able to kind of, you know, accept it within yourself and say, this is what I want to do, then people will recognize you for that. And they remember you for that. I know that I've, I've experienced that in law um, when I was doing internships and people would say, oh, what area of law do you want to practice in? And I knew that I wanted to do something with entertainment and intellectual property. Um, mm -hmm. Wasn't quite sure what. And then once I was exposed to the transactional law side and negotiating agreements, I realized, okay, that's my area. That's what I'm interested in learning more about. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. And being able to communicate that to folks and they remember, oh, you know, Michaela said she's interested in entertainment. Let's give her a chance. Let's give her this one assignment, see how she does. Right. And I think that was so interesting going through college because I want to say maybe for the first three years, honestly, I was just this walking <laughs> enigma. Like people knew that, oh, he does journalism. He does like a morning talk show at USC. He's on an improv troupe. He dances like, but what does he really do? And I don't think people really knew at the end of the day what my passions truly were until I was the one who vocalized it and made it more publicly known of, oh, I'm actually pursuing acting. And I can't tell you how many people were like, oh, that's amazing. I had no <laughs> idea. But now that I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to see what I can do to help right, you. Right. And I really feel like once I confidently stated, this is what I do, it was a complete game changer in the resources that I was able to fortunately have and how people really were looking out for me and saying, hey, Bobby, I know that you're an actor and this opportunity came my way, just wanted to forward it to you. And if I hadn't said that, if I you know, was kind of just still muddling through a lot of things and not really being clear about what I wanted to the masses, those opportunities wouldn't come as quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and that's, that's so on point too, because it's kind of like a general life philosophy too. Sometimes if you're just unclear about what you want, you end up just kind of, you know, doing whatever and then not really honing in on what that goal is or what that thing is that you want. And then when you finally have that moment of clarity, you're like, Oh, this is what I want to go do. <laughs> yes. And I think too, something really important from the emotional side is never feeling guilty if you are confused or if you don't ultimately know what you want. Right. It's really, I mean, it's a phrase that I really like. It's not all those who wander or lost because that's so true. Yes. And 
when in doubt, I just say really go with your gut and go with what makes you happy. Yeah. I know it's so cliche and it's something that people, I, I think just generally in our society kind of scoff out of like, huh, happiness. Like, what is that? Because a lot of people <laughs> just want to chase the dollar mm -hmm. sign, which I totally understand. Mm -hmm. But if you're not doing something that's making you happy, you're not going to have the same passion and drive ultimately as if you were doing something that was ultimately fulfilling you emotionally. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's so true. And, and we can even get into that later talking about millennials and being a millennial, because I think there's a lot of discourse around happiness and career and mm -hmm. what, you know, we as young people choose to do, but it's a, it's a very important point and you definitely bring a high level of drive and passion when you are doing something that you enjoy as opposed to just kind of going through the motions. Yes. Yeah. And 100%. I love that. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned improv work just because lately I've been listening to some of the, the podcasts from, um, uh, the office with, um, Jenna Fisher and mm -hmm. Angela and um, they talk about how a lot of the folks from the office started in improv and here in LA and just how that kind of, I think, trans transferred to the vibe of the show generally For and sure. just kind of the funniness and the silliness. And I, I have a lot of respect for um, people who do live entertainment and theater just because it is so, so different from filmed <laughs> entertainment right, and right. you really it's have not like to be present and bring your, you know, bring that A game. <laughs> There's yes. no kind of hiding. Yeah. It's not like you can just start over on stage. <laughs> you, <Yeah>. have to, <laughs> you have to really just be like, well, we're just going to wing it see what happens. And right. that's so true. Improv. I mean, if there are any actors who are listening to this, which thank you, if you are, um, <laughs> improv is absolutely the first thing that I, I know every actor should do and that's you know you'll hear that from any agent any manager in the game who are looking at your resume and they're looking at your training and they say have you done improv have you gone to groundlings or UCB or done you know some type of improv because when it comes to commercials and even television and film even though they're scripted there still is so much improv involved and I also just think improv really teaches you not to care what people are thinking about you because innately as a human being, you know, we're so concerned with, oh, what are people thinking about me? But when you are doing improv, you have to be so in tune with your listening and your inhibitions that you don't even have time to really even have that thought of, oh, what's that person in the audience thinking of me? You just really learn not to give an F. <laughs> and I love I, it. <laughs> and I think, too, that really enhances your confidence, I believe. Yeah. You know, yeah. my brother, actually, he's he was a business major at USC, and he did improv at USC twice because he was like, this, oh, is, cool. this is amazing. It really helps me build my confidence, engage with people, just generally be more spontaneous of a person. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, improv, regardless if it's comedic or if it's dramatic, I think is so crucial to an actor, but also just to anyone's, anyone in, in their life. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And in tune with not giving an F, I want to <laughs> talk to you. I, I know, it's like, I need to be appropriate. 
No, I appreciate it. In case my parents are listening. (laughs) Right. I want to talk to you about your craziest industry story. Do you have a crazy, like, Hollywood, L.A. story? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, there Um, may be many, but just your most, the the funniest one that comes to mind or the craziest one that comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I know there's so many that I can come to mind with. I feel like some people just tell me stories sometimes about just going out in L.A. and weird things happening. (laughs) <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I mean, the beauty of LA is that opportunity is everywhere and you yeah. can meet somebody and you never know who they are, what they do. And that could take you down a path that's like, wow, what an amazing experience that I just had. So true. Um, I have I some would... friends in LA. I still don't know what they do. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you do something. I don't actually know what you do, but you do something. You do something. You yeah. won't t- really tell me, but it's okay. Right. Um, <laughs> Gosh, I would say as an actor, I had an audition where it was for this immersive theater show and there was some basic dancing and I was like, okay, this is, this is a cool experience. Like, let me just go for it. I hadn't had an audition in months. It had been so long and it was pretty far away. I also, mind you, have never had a car while being in Los Angeles. So yes, I took a bus, a train, and walked for 30 minutes. Oh like, my goodness. I know that's I know that's a shock to people who are like, public transportation, but it does exist in Los Angeles. So I arrived and I find out that it's a contemporary dance audition, not just like a basic, you know, two count here, there, like in a, some musicals, like an easy two step. <laughs> it was a full on dance routine that I clearly would have needed at least 10 years of training to do. And mind you, I'm so not flexible at all. Like I, wow, it was just, I don't even know what to compare it to. What I, I actually like. really relate to this because I, I am a known kind of half dancer. I'm a known kind of two-stepper mm-hmm. and any choreograph, I was just talking with my best friend about this, any choreographed dance <laughs> That comes up dance class that I've ever been a part of. I've always needed them. I'm like, wait, we need to do this like 10 more times before we actually do the full run. Yes. Yes. And um, it's funny because I have a natural rhythm. So when it comes to like hip hop or, yeah, you can do just like a fluid. Yes. But, but I think with a structural (laughs) dance, (laughs) which clearly you need training for uh, that, I definitely lacked in. So, you know, I'm sitting here maybe the first five minutes. I'm like, I do not belong here. Like, I should just go. I should just pack (laughs) it up and go. But then, you know, I thought to myself, shut up. You're here. Be here. Be present. Yeah, and do it. Breathe and believe. You are a dancer. Act like a dancer. Move like a dancer. Stretch like a dancer. Could I be as equipped as a well-trained dancer? Maybe not. (laughs) In my head, I was like, I'm just going to give it my shot. Yeah. So then they brought us up into groups of five and I was in the first group. So I thought, great, I'm going to be in the back. I'm going (laughs) to watch. I'm going to watch the dancers in front of me. They put me in the front and center. And oh my God, I just, if you had secondhand embarrassment already, it was just, you're going to have it now. It's because too much for me. It's, it's the much. worst. I clearly just 
I was such a fail at this whole thing. And there were three rounds, right? So the first go around, I, you know, completely, completely screw up. And then I go again in the second round and I watch this happen. The casting director takes my headshot, looks at it, throws it to the ground. No. Oh yes. my gosh. And she had the audacity. Like she didn't look at anybody else but me when doing so. What? Is she head... like a walking stereotype of <laughs> casting directors in LA? I, I is she like, like I mean, literally a parody of herself? What well, is the thing that? is, is I feel like there are, I mean, there are so many kind casting directors. I yeah, feel like, yeah. you know, sometimes they'll have a day or whatever, but Casting directors are generally on your side. Yeah. But clearly this woman had a chip on her shoulder, whatever. And I, you know, looked at that. I was like, that was $5, please. Can I take this and just leave? But I was like, no. I still have another round to go, and I'm going to give it my all. Watch yeah. and learn. When I tell you that <laughs> And I... You know, yet again, I know this is an interview and I shouldn't cuss, but I completely fell on my ass. Like, emotionally, <laughs> physically, mentally, everything. Just, there was this final move where he, you had to do this leap, and I think it was a plie, if that's what it's called. And I thought, great, I'm going to do this. One, two, three. I, I'm wearing socks. I completely slip, land straight on my ass. <laughs> not only do I knock over the dancer next to me, I just oh, am no. like, but I, but yet again, I just am like, I have to get up. One, two, three, keep going. And then at the end, I just, huh, like just this <laughs> huge exhale. I'm like, okay, clearly I know I did so poorly. And there was just this incredibly awkward pause. And, you know, the two casting directors are sitting there and they're looking at everyone but me. <laughs> and oh, they just no. have this general, like, great job, guys. Everybody did so well. We're so impressed. And then they went through everybody else. And so I left and I thought, I'm just going to go home. I didn't make it, whatever. But then I thought, you know what? I'm going to wait till the end. I'm going to stick it out. <laughs> <laughs> after the 70th person went we all get called back in and you know long story short they call everybody's names who made it I didn't make it but I was so proud of myself of like I did the dang thing I you did, did that. you I did the there. darn dang thing. darn dang damn thing and yeah. of course I called my mom after it was like you won't believe what just <laughs> happened and I think you know the biggest takeaway with that is like you just have to laugh off your failures because yeah if you don't, it's just going to eat you up inside. And, you know, I could have easily sulked off the rest of the day and beaten myself up about it, but I didn't. And that was just, yet again, a great learning lesson to have. I love that story. I, <laughs> I think it is great. And like you said, I mean, you have to, you have to push forward. You can't, like you said, sulk in everything that's a quote-unquote loss or failure, whatever, but really it's just a learning lesson. And it takes so much to do that. Like oh. not everyone can stick through it and do that and kind oh of face God. the the judgment for lack of better word from the people on the other side. So oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I was I being judged you. from the moment I walked in. <laughs> <laughs> I commend again. you. Thank you. Thank you. 
So Bobby, you've been so candid and I want to ask you what has been one of your better or best moments in your career in LA? For sure. That is such a great question. There are so many, but I would say from an acting perspective, you know, you're constantly told as an actor, put yourself out there, put yourself out there, put yourself out there. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen when, who's going to reach out to you when, who's watching you. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of stalkers out there now, (laughs) but but people are just genuinely, like, just so intrigued with, you know, what others are up to. Yeah. And I remember that there was one day I get this random email from somebody who I didn't know reached out to me through my website and had just blatantly said straight up, like, I really want to cast you for this commercial. Oh, wow. And I didn't really know much about the commercial. I yet again was like, how did this guy find me? Whatever. So I sent in a self-tape audition, which is I recorded myself doing it. And I ended up, of course, amazingly, gratefully booking the commercial. And turns out it was a commercial that was shot on the Rose Bowl. And I was the lead and oh that's awesome it was just it yet again it was just so cool but the whole time I thought to myself how did this guy find me I really like I'm just so intrigued and then when I asked him on set he had he had asked me do you remember that audition for x project you did like a year and a half ago wow yeah I distinctively remember that audition it was so fun I, I really enjoyed it. And he said, well, I was the executive producer for that project and I wanted you, but the director went with a different choice. And so when this commercial came about, you were the first person that I thought of and that's why I booked you. And to hear that was just like, yeah, wow. That's that's big. Yeah. What an incredible, incredible feeling of like, I did something a year and a half ago that you still remember. And yet again, you were reaching out to me to provide this opportunity. And I think as well, it's so easy to perceive someone on social media some way and think, oh, wow, they've made it. They're doing so much. But I'm telling you as an actor, especially when you start out, and it took me to experience this to realize it. Like, it's a slow momentum for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, there would be months I would go without auditions. Or, you know, there'd be points where I maybe booked one project in a year, which was an amazing experience. And yet again, to have this type of encouragement of just the universe kind of gifting you <laughs> and, and, giving you this gem and realizing like, wow, I am meant to do this. I have what it takes. This can work for me if I just really believe and continue. It was just such an incredible experience and testament to see like, wow, you know, there are people out there who can really help you and turn your life into something that you've always wanted it to be. But I also think at the end of the day, it is that internal belief within yourself. And these gems of opportunities do happen, 
regardless of how frequently they happen, they happen. And I can't tell you enough how many friends I've had who have moved to Los Angeles with no industry experience, connections. They're just like, I'm just going to work and make it happen and, and have faith. And through their struggles, they have gotten that one email or that one phone call that has completely changed their life in the best ways. And so yet again, for those of you who are out there who are feeling discouraged, especially during this time of COVID, I just really encourage you to use this time to really try to channel that within yourself and realizing that this time will pass and this industry will reopen and I can succeed by just being who I am. Yeah. And I think it, it also speaks to, you know, there, especially for talent in the industry, there's so many things that people do well that they never get feedback on, or they never hear like that they did a good job. It's only when they kind of get the call that you're talking about. And someone says, yeah, I noticed you, or I really liked your work in that audition X number of years ago. And I want to, you know, work with you. And so it's like amazing to be able to hear that because I feel like there are so many situations where somebody did impress someone and then they just never hear about it. Right. And it's, you know, so different than like if it's a regular job interview and say you don't get the job. In, In entertainment, for whatever reason, asking for feedback is just something that's not common. Yeah. You know, an agent or a manager can sometimes finesse it out of a casting director, but as the individual actor, for whatever reason, it's just very difficult to get feedback. And so it's also really about working on yes, your craft and being the best actor you can be, but being the best person that you can be really focusing on your emotional health, your mental health, recognizing that, Regardless if you book a job or if you get rejected from a job, that will not and should not sway your self-worth and your confidence in who you are as a person and as an actor and your talent. Yeah, that's a a really good statement. Um, And so true about just like being your best self and maintaining self-care I want to talk to you, um, and you mentioned COVID, about the pandemic because it has had such a huge impact on the entertainment industry, particularly here in LA, where just the numbers from COVID are so crazy. Um, What are your thoughts on the pandemic and the way it's affected the industry? For sure. It's, oh my gosh, I know. It's such a weird time. It's so crazy. Um, I think the negative side of course is there's such an economic downturn and i think the performing arts are suffering one of the hardest just because of the nature of the industry and the importance of either a live audience or having a full crew you know just so much interaction on a day-to-day basis but the beauty as well is i guess you can kind of say that the beauty is we're all going through it together. So what I've found is there's a lot of kindness and support within the creative arts community, whether it's casting directors, taking generals with actors or doing Instagram lives, or just 
more openness of communication amongst people who are going through it together, so to speak. I also think there are going to be a lot of innovations from this within the film and TV industry, just trying to figure out, you know, what can we do to make it enjoyable and easier for everyone and also to like projects, you know, what, what can we write or create during this time that maybe we didn't have the time or the finances to do before COVID is really forcing everybody to stop, think, reflect, and hopefully create, which as well, being a creative, this downtime, I feel like has kept me sane of like, if I need to write or film something or, you know, just do whatever I can to just stay sane. I'm so glad that I have the creative arts to do so. And yet again, I mean, the entertainment industry is something that truly we as a society cannot live without. I mean, can you imagine going a day without watching something or listening to something or reading something? Exactly. It's such an integral part of our society that without it, I, I just, you know, think it really hurts us <laughs> as, a, as a society. Yeah, yeah. And you think about the ways that at least when television was more linear, folks would religiously watch television every night after work. And you think if that wasn't an option, you know, what would people be doing? It's kind of like, mm-hmm. I think people take entertainment for granted in a lot of ways. There's a lot of kind of oh, entertainment industry, you know, it's fluff. But at the same time, it's something that's so heavily consumed. And I would almost argue depended upon. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Just for that general escapism that, you know, that society wants from daily life and Mm -hmm. the responsibilities, etc. But I just think that it's such a huge part. and, And now the ways that people have been able to innovate on social media and do things on their own without, you know, having to depend on a crew and an entire cast. People are making content from yeah. their homes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's, um, you know, just watching the changes, you know, all you can just say is hopefully this will turn into a positive direction. And of course, yet again, dealing with all the emotional, mental strifes of what we're all going through. We're all going through it together. So there isn't a perfect answer to everything and you can't figure out your future, but that's almost comforting knowing that everybody feels that way. (laughs) So I think it allows, from my experience, it allows the individual to take more risks, to not be as fearful, to ask for help or to ask questions, you realize how quickly you can lose so much in such a short amount of time. And it allows you to look at that and say, F it, you know, I have to, I have to be bold. I have to do something during this time because who knows what's going to happen in the future, but also as well, being kind to yourself and allowing yourself to feel the emotions you need to feel, take the days you need to take to rest. I know for myself, I have a problem where I'm constantly thinking that I'm not doing enough or that 
I'm behind or that, you know, there's just so much going on that I need to be doing and I feel so guilty if I don't. Being in quarantine has really allowed me to be kinder to myself and say, nothing is going on. You're not missing out on anything. Right. You are where you need to be doing what you need to do. It, it will change and it will happen. You just have to be present. And when anyone asks me how I'm doing, I just say, you know what? I'm taking it day by day because mm-hmm. that's all I can mm-hmm. that's do. That's all we can do. Yeah, that's, that's all, all we can, we can do. do. That's that's so real. And I want to talk about being a millennial generally. And I think what you just said is is very in tune with a lot of us millennials and being self-aware and also self-encouraging in a lot of ways when there are pressures to kind of feel like you should be doing something or, you know, you should be focusing on X, Y, Z. What do you think are some of the, the challenges that we face as millennials, particularly in the entertainment industry? That's a great question. I would say at least from a job perspective, the entertainment industry is always changing and there are just not the same rules as other industries. And I think there's this almost expectation from the millennial generation to do things the same way that the generation before them is doing. But at the end of the day, those rules and those expectations adapt and evolve over time. And I think we as millennials are gratefully making steps to change the entertainment industry for the better. But I also understand how many challenges that can require and you, you know, really standing up for what you believe in. And also too, just, I mean, I got to say the economic the economic situation, we are not coming out of college making the same amount with given our debt as, you know, our parents. And, you know, I know from my individual experience, like I just have this thought in my head that, you know, I'm going to hit it big and hopefully that'll pay off my debt (laughs) and just, you know, just trust that it'll happen. Um, but the matter of fact is, is, we as millennials, especially entertainment, don't make a lot. And, you know, you'd think that people who work at some of these top talent agencies or production companies are, are rolling in the big ones. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. Yeah. And I also yeah. think, too, in the entertainment industry, you see a lot of the rich getting richer because it is an industry where, you know, it's in an expensive city. You're not making a lot of money. And if you don't really have financial support from other others, like your parents or whomever, it can be really difficult to take on a, a certain job. Like I know, for instance, there were certain jobs that after college I couldn't take because I couldn't afford a car. My loans were just astronomical. And so it really forced me to look at certain circumstances from that financial perspective and I know a lot of my friends in this generation whom have had to do the same of like, I want to take that internship, but it's unpaid or I want to take this job, but it doesn't pay well at all. And I just have so many expenses. Whereas you do see a fair amount of people 
who do have that opportunity of financial assistance and they can take a lower paying job because their parents or whomever are able to financially support them. Um, and so I also really hope that given that this time companies can really look and see, wow, we need to be paying more and we need to figure out how to rebudget to keep employees. Um, but that's at least, I guess, from my personal experience. And I hope I articulated that as well as I could. <laughs> you did. And I, I think it's, it's very true. I mean, it is so expensive to live in LA and the entertainment industry is very gig based. So, you know, a lot of people who are talent are looking for their next project and they're, they're also looking for consistency. Um, and I think that's why we've seen such an uptick in all of these overall deals because writer, even writers and producers are looking to kind of be employed in a steady fashion where they mm -hmm. know, okay, I'm going to be work, get working consistently and getting paid consistently. And it's hard. It takes a lot of, a lot of hustle and grit because you get one good project and the next one isn't necessarily guaranteed. So, um, I think that companies should look at that and, you know, think about the ways that some of the, you know, economic disparities um, are affected by unpaid internship and th internships and things like that, because it's, it's really hard out here. Yeah. And I think, you know, you have, when you're in college, that just thought of, well, you know, I'm in college. I don't have to worry about finances. Right. Yeah. And then, oh my gosh, like you graduate and I just remember being like, I have to, you know, find an apartment. I have to pay for that myself. I have to, you know, pay for my loans and, and do whatever. And so I found myself honestly up until quarantine working multiple jobs. I think the first year out of college, I maybe worked a total of eight different jobs, usually two or three at a time. And then after that point, I, I ended up working two jobs at a time, seven days a week. And I just thought to myself, like, there's gotta be a different way. I have to figure out something because I am literally emotionally, physically deteriorating. And I'm trying to make this work and make this career work. And so yet again, the beauty of quarantine, I personally have felt is this time to rest mm -hmm. and recharge and, and just think, more strategically about, you know, what I can do in the interim of supporting this dream from a financial perspective that's healthy and that's going to allow me to live the life that I want to live and also be able to support myself. Definitely. In terms of advantages of being a millennial in the entertainment industry, what are your thoughts? I know that for me, I, I definitely see it in social and digital media, but I'm interested in, in what you think as a creator um, and an actor as well. For sure. I would say general savviness of the times. <laughs> I know that's a weird statement, but I the just times. think they the are a changing. Yeah, they, they are. And, and I think, you know, as a creator, in any space, 
our generation is just so used to adapting to change and at such an exponentially fast rate that it's just like, okay, if I have to learn something new, I'm going to learn something new and I'm not going to get stuck in my ways. Right. And obviously that's not everyone, but from my experience, that's what I've noticed, especially in entertainment, how quickly everything moves. You have to be constantly on your feet, prepared for anything to happen. Um, obviously the social space as well, I think has really allowed our generation to become more entrepreneurial. It's not as much anymore sit around and wait for the opportunity to come to me. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more of what can I do to better myself and to put myself out there in a way that's different than how everybody else is doing it. And whether that's from a content perspective, a general life perspective, it's really just, I think, about thinking outside the box, which our generation I have found to master very well. Yeah, I agree. I think that I can't tell you how many times I've looked at something on like just a funny quick video on Instagram and my mom has said, you guys as a generation are just so quick and sharp with these funny things that you come up with. (laughs) And it's like, it's true. And it is, it's quirky and it's kind of weird and creative. But I think you know, we as millennials get kind of a bad rap, but I think that a lot of us are so sharp and quick-witted and funny, and social media has created an outlet for that to kind of be seen in a positive way. Yes, and I think, too, I, I really love how our generation and the generations following us are trying to learn and trying to grow and not using the excuse of, oh, well, this is how I was raised. This is what I was taught. And so this is my only way of thought, which I feel like the older generations tend to have that closed mindedness. Of course, not everybody, but I feel like given, especially with social media, you have no excuses anymore, which is the best way because it really makes everybody accountable. You know, if you don't know something or you want to learn about anything social media has really allowed that opportunity and just also when it comes to diversity i think you know media and television and film has taken a turn for the better when it comes to that you just see so many more diverse stories and projects and actors and opportunities and of course there's still such a long way to go with that but I feel like our generation is really pioneering that for sure. And, you know, from someone who loves that and, yeah. and fully supports that, I, I just think it's such an amazing element of our society nowadays. And I think when we get older, the way we raise the youth, so to speak, <laughs> I think will be an amazing experience. I agree. And I think, and I think the ability to do something on your own without necessarily needing, you know, a huge company to back it has allowed diverse people to get their name out there and be seen mm-hmm. um, on Instagram, on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, because you can kind of create your own brand and gain that following. I've seen yeah. so many people just gain a following and, you know, 
maybe are not household names, but are people who are known in the digital community. Um, and it's, it's quite powerful. It's, it's very cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. The digital space and how you can be of influence in that digital market is so, so fascinating. And then with brands and really trying to make a positive impact is now possible in so many more ways. Yeah. And Bobby, I totally appreciate your time today. You've been so candid. It's been so great just hearing about your path and your career. What advice do you have for those who are aspiring to land in LA or come and and enter the entertainment industry? Thank you. That's so kind of you to say. (laughs) There is so much. Gosh, I think the biggest statement first is If you want to move to LA, that's the hardest step. I think there's so much involved in moving to a new city and the fears and feeling like, oh, it's this big, overwhelming experience, which is true to a degree. You've already made the hardest step by making the move. And through the ups and downs, whatnot, you ultimately will just feel like, wow, I actually did this and I'm so grateful that I did it. Even if it isn't ultimately what I want, I am appreciative of this experience. And I would say being open-minded. You have to be open-minded to really anything. Um, You know, I can't tell you how many times where I've made healthy risks in my time and whether it's just putting myself out there or maybe going to an event that I was too nervous to go to or meeting new people for the first time. I know from experience how much that has helped me in the long terms. And I would also say another piece of advice that I have found to be very beneficial is having the strongest sense of self that you can. There's a big distinction with, you know, who you are as a person and that can always change and grow. But if your sense of self, your core self is authentic, that will ultimately, I think, help you get through anything. (laughs) And I think it will just really, I think it just will really allow you to see the beauty in other people, allow them to see the beauty in you it takes time, you know, to get used to a new environment. And Los Angeles is yet again, such a diverse place. It's such a transient place, meaning there's people who are always coming and going. And yet again, just having that stability within yourself and just knowing your self-worth, I think is so important. And also not that, that really, helps you look at Los Angeles as not this big, gaudy, ostentatious place that a lot of people stereotype it as, but also looking at it more so as, oh, wow, there's so much opportunity here and so much beauty here within people, within the environment that I can use this to my best interest. And just being generally curious of people. I mean, not not looking at someone as, oh, what can I get from you Mm -hmm. and you get something Mm -hmm. from me, but more just saying, what are your interests? How can we help one another and help lift each other up? Because I will say 
in my personal opinion, the entertainment industry more so than ever now, you can succeed by being a kind, genuine person. And honestly, that's how how you have to be nowadays. I mean, you can get fired so quickly from a job and that reputation can really carry with you. And I don't think a lot of people recognize that, even though it's such a large city. The, the industry is a very close-knit environment. Yeah, and it people is. talk. And the more you just be kind and stay true to your just genuine self, that can take you so far. Well said. That is very true. And that last point about, you know, treating people decently and just being a decent person is very true now, especially with with just the internet. I mean, people are able mm-hmm. to communicate and expose things now very quickly. So I think I agree with you. I think it's important to be kind in general and also because that can be carried with you and that reputation can stay with you. Um, yeah. So great. Thank you. Bobby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, yet again, I thank you for the time. Um, I feel like I've rambled half of, half of my answers. <laughs> hey, but I that's, feel like... that's okay. It's, it's a conversation. I, I appreciate the time. And I think too, you know, what you're doing is so great. Just this podcast and, as well, not being afraid to talk to people and saying, hey, I want to hear about your experiences. What are your experiences like? I feel like when I've done that, a lot of people are just generally open to speaking. And that, I feel like, inherently has helped me get through a lot of my own triumphs and downfalls during this crazy experience. (laughs) Just learning how other people have navigated through their lives. Yeah. Um, I, I would also say just never be afraid to talk to people. Yeah. No, that's so true. And how many <laughs> how many friendships and relationships have come up from just small talk happening oh at a random gosh. place? I think it's just Seriously. crazy. Like es- yeah. Especially in LA, I mean, yet again, because people are from all walks of life from everywhere. The amount of times I have found a mutual friend from a stranger or like a small world connection, the world is such a smaller place than we look at it initially as. (laughs) And it's so cool to experience that. And you would never have known had you not put yourself out there. So that's it for our episode today. I want to thank Bobby again for joining us. This was a great conversation. And for anyone listening, you can follow Bobby on social media at Bobby Nahill for Instagram and Twitter. That's at B-O-B-B-Y-N-A-H-I-L-L for Instagram and Twitter. You can also find him on TikTok at Bobby.Nahill. Or you can plain old visit his website, BobbyNahill.com. Really great person, quality person, and very talented. I'm so glad that we connected today. Once again, I'm your host, Mikella. Thanks for joining us. If you want to stay in the loop, see what we're up to, and get updates on the podcast, follow us on Instagram at LandedNLAPod. That's LandedNLAPod on Instagram. You can also email us, hit us up, let us know what's going on, send in your funny stories to LandedNLAPod at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.